Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Jared Atkins alongside my best... Uh, made it on down here for another show. I'm a, hey man, it's nice you come to my crib once in a while. I, uh, well yeah, it's, it's a nice crib, dude. I, well, I mean it's a shithole in the country, but it's a beautiful drive. Huh? Yeah, I had to do some detour, but that's alright. <laughs> uh, thank God for Google Maps. You know? There you go. So, uh... Friday afternoon? Uh... So, uh, we didn't do an episode last week. No, we, no, we uh, did not. I had a super busy week, and I just said, let's just take a, a week off to the technical aspect of those episodes, and hopefully I ran the equipment last night when I recorded our new intro. By the way, we don't ro- own any rights to the music. That all goes to whoever owns that music. So, <laughs> what... The theme you just heard was from the old ECW days, Extreme Championship Wrestling, which was owned by Paul Heyman, now is property of World Wrestling. Put it under the uh, copyright fair use bullshit act that I read that one time, but uh, we don't own any of that rights. But, uh, you know, I figured uh, we would take a week off. I I still, we recorded here last time. It wasn't that bad. It's... uh, yeah, just our equipment, and like I said, I ran the equipment last night. That kind keep, of shit happens, man. I keep checking it. Sucks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, especially when it don't work. That's true. Uh, yeah. So we're I, just gonna you hope. need to listen to it. It was all right. You can tell. You can tell we both kind of lost our steam though after the wind come out of the sails. Yeah, a little, little bit. bit, but we persevered, made it through it. So. That's the main thing. Absolutely. Uh, it shows it's recording. I'm going to pick it up. It is showing that error, but unlike last time, it's flash. So, uh, before we start, uh, I'm going to plug one of our official, unofficial sponsors. And uh, as you can see on the table, I've got another. <clears throat> Nana's Aromas LLC up in Palmyra, Indiana. Uh, nanasaromas.com they hand pour candles they hand make the wicks they do wax melts diffusers, air fresheners car air fresheners everything is uh, made in small batches better quality control so check out Nana's Aromas LLC on Facebook, give them a phone call 812-972-3670 so uh, that out of the way and uh, you know we're going to do another baseball episode. I think this will be actually technically our second baseball yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to cover a World Series. And today we're doing the Show Me Series, the I-70, uh, yes. 1985, Cardinals-Royals. Yeah, great World Series. Pretty good World Series. Anytime the Cardinals get beat, I'm all for that. I make the joke all the time. I don't know who I dislike more, Yankees fans, Cubs fans, Cardinals fans, or Reds fans. We're all kind of egotistical. Yes. Oh, well, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get some hate from that. But uh, well, speaking of feedback, oh man, I forgot to kill my phone. Don't want that going off during a <laughs> during a podcast, do we? Let's uh, kill the sound there. Uh, uh, I got feedback from a guy I went to school with. Uh, a funny thing when we were in school in junior high we kind of got along in high school we we kind of didn't it wasn't until years later after graduation which i've been out of school 15 years now 14 years something like that wasn't until after we graduated we kind of got close he's a 
He was pulling for the Royals in the uh, 2014 World Series yeah. against the Giants. He worked out in Kansas City a lot, but he said he's a love to podcast, and uh, he said that he's going to tell everybody he got in on this thing on the ground floor before we blew up and got big. And I <laughs> kind of think wishful thinking. Yeah, you know, yeah. But, right. Uh, at any rate, uh, some could argue that this could be one of the top 25 professional sports championship games or series of all times. Uh, you know, some people don't believe it needs to be high on the list whatsoever. Uh, and as we go to talk about it through the course of it, we will find out. So anybody in the Midwest, it was, it was, it was, it was big. big. So, uh, what I want to do here, what I want to start, uh, just kind of an overview of the uh, NL here, the 85 season for the Cardinals. Uh, they won the World Series, I believe, and was 82, 82. 83. 82. 82. Yeah. Whitey was uh, skipper then still, yeah, wasn't he? Yep, yep. So uh, they kind of fucked up a little bit. They kind of <laughs> took a tumble there for you know, two or three seasons. Um from my research, it showed that they finished under 500 a year later, and in '84 they finished third in the at that time the NL East, East. before the yep. realignment. Yes. Uh, so then they made some personnel changes following that. The Cardinals did uh, closer Bruce Sutter. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they dealt a whole shitload of players to get Jack Clark. Yeah. They traded Lonnie Smith in May, which we'll come to find out. Where'd Lonnie Smith go? Kansas City Royals. The same season they the same faced season. in the World Series. Like yeah. He done in April in St. Louis, and then after that, or he was traded. Well, maybe May. I have it right here in my notes. Uh, Lonnie Smith, May of 85, he was traded by St. Louis for John Morris. Lonnie Skates Smith. And I have here in my notes, which... I have handwritten notes and computer notes this time. Right on. Ronnie batted, uh, or Lonnie batted, excuse me, 335 in the World Series. Not bad. That's well, <laughs> that's better pretty, than not bad. That's pretty good, yeah. Um, For sure. Man, we got a good echo in here. Can't wait till we get our studio room built and finished. Yeah, we need to get started on that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they're make Cardinals are making some moves here, and... Uh, They get a great pitching rotation going. That's what they were lacking in the years that they was uh, that they took. I don't know. I don't say took off, but they had it down here in '83, '84, and that was one of the reasons why they were starting pitching. Right. Was so they start to get a good rotation going, and then Vince Coleman yeah. comes in, totally lights up the main lead leagues. Uh, Coleman would bat leadoff. Uh, he won Rookie of the Year. He stole 110 bases, bases, which and helped St. Louis, which they were known as a speed demons yep, that season. Yep. They stole 314 bases as a team. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. What that's, kind of, that's putting all kinds of pressure on a defense. I mean, what do you think the opposing pitchers thinking standing on the mound? These son of a bitches running and gunning every play. I mean. Frustrating, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. First and third carousel is what they did that year. First and third. First and third. 
Do you want to? You want one of my infamous where I give you random stats? Sure, I love it. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so to put it in perspective, as a team, Coleman helped them, and as a team, they stole three hundred fourteen bases. The Cardinals did okay. To put that into perspective, three hundred fourteen stolen bases. That number not only led both leagues, but the margin over the second best team was the same gap as the margin between the number two and number eleven base stealing teams. That's that's pretty significant. That's dominating. Yes. So uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the Cardinals, but I mean, we got to get the World Series. We got to we got to go back. So Willie McGee. Key part of their 82 World Series, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Never was a Cardinal fan, but I liked Willie McGee. I liked his game. Pretty good player. Finished with a 384 on base percentage and a 503 slugging percentage. He won a batting title that year, didn't he? Uh, won MVP. Uh, yeah. So the fun thing about this is, though, they didn't really have what you would consider conventional number three. Slugger. No. So Tom Hur light light hitting Tom Hur. He didn't really have a home run swing. You know, he didn't really have no, a whole lot of power. More up the middle. Yeah. Driving the ball in the alleys. alleys. Yeah. So he hit thirty eight doubles. He had a three seventy nine on base percentage. Her did drive in hundred and ten RBIs. Yes. yes. RBIs are always crucial. Crucial. Uh following her in the order would coach Clark. Clark. Which I would say would probably be your true. Yeah, he's the power guy. True uh, power guy. Yeah, and he Clark's stat line was three ninety three and five oh two and hit twenty two home runs. Yeah. Uh, and then here we go, Ozzy, Cardinal fan or not, you gotta uh, respect, yes. love Ozzy. So, Ozzy played the best defense at shortstop probably in both leagues without no, a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, the Wizard. Yes. Uh. His on-base percentage was three fifty-five. Yeah, so he had a great year that year. He stole 31 bases. Uh, not only were they stealing bases at a record pace, they were consistently getting on-base. On base. Yes. Oh, just wearing pitchers out. Um, now, the pitching staff was anchored by two sets of 21-game winners, John Tudor and memory uh, check. Danny, uh, Joaquin Andujar. Andujar, that's right. Uh, uh, Andujar was a big part. Was it Andujar or Tudor that was a big part of the 82 team? Uh, it would have been Andujar. Andujar, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but they traded to get John Tudor, didn't they? Uh, yes, because Warl come up from the minors. They mm-hmm. traded for. Okay, so uh, he won 21 games. Tudor did. His ERA was 193, pitched 275 innings. That's that's in any other, that's uh, that's uh, a workhorse. Uh, in any other year, that would have, you know, pretty right. much garnered you a Cy Young. Oh, Do you yeah, know easy. why it didn't get him a Cy Young? Uh, there was know. one other guy pitching in the NL that was more dominating that season. Fernando Valenzuela. New, nope. New York Mets. Uh, Doc Gooden. Doc Gooden. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, hell yeah. I forgot about him, you know. Cool. 269 innings, but he had a 340 ERA, which still ain't bad. To me, if you got an ERA under four, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He so, walked He walked a few people, though. He had a little bit of habit. He'd get wild. But when he was on, uh, right. devastating. 
Um, so their number three starter was Danny Cox, Cox. eighteen yeah. and nine. Those are numbers that kind of get you big money contracts. That's uh, Danny Cox, a good good right hander, had a pretty good slider. Do you remember who they finished out the rotation with? No, I did not. Uh, Kurt Kepsher. Okay. And Bob Forsh. Bob Forsh. Okay. That's he, a name I haven't thought about or heard right. about in. He would have been in the 82, I'm sorry, 82 World Series, too, I think. Now, I didn't really pull any stats because, honestly, no disrespect to anybody, but the last two in that rotation with St. Louis wasn't, I mean, so I didn't, I didn't pull any stats. Right. But, uh, I've got some stats for the World Series later, but uh, Sutter was gone from the bullpen, so you had uh, Ricky Horton, Ken Daly, Bill Campbell. And then later in the year, that's when uh, Todd Worrell got called up. 291 ERA, saved five games for him down the stretch. Uh, so that's kind of an overview of their stats. Now, to their 85 season, uh, Cardinals started out four straight losses right out the gate, which it's you're playing 162 fucking right. games. Some, some big moments and dug himself into a five-game hole by the middle of April. Uh, they were able to get back to 500, and on Memorial Day they were 21 and 20 in 1985, four and a half games behind the Chicago Cubs. Who, fun fact, Cubs captured the NL title, their, or the NL East crown in '84, and then in between the Cubs and the Cards, of course, the Mets and the uh, Montreal Expos. Expos. Yeah. Uh. Going on down there, they get into June. The that's when St. Louis begins to take off. They win three of four in the old Shea Stadium. Shout out Mets. Uh, they sweep the Cubs and Wrigley. Then they swept both the Cubs and Mets when they made returns to Bush Stadium. It was the most significant part. They they ran that stretch twenty six and nine. Uh, and by the All Star break, the Cardinals were fifty two and thirty three, leading the Mets by two and a half games. The Expos were four and a half out, and the Cubs were fading fast at seven and a half games out. So, in the span of a couple of months, yeah. tides change, and yeah. it's really looking like you've got a clear dominant team here. I, John Tudor started out one and seven, and then he flipped the switch and uh, something like that figured it out. That's when he made a turnaround, I believe. Now, Tudor loses. I always call him Tudor because I just I think it's funny. Tudor loses. <clears throat> That's just funny. I just... <laughs> Anyways, so he loses the Cy Young voting to Doc Gooden. Then, when you know it, we get midway through the season, we get a mound head-to-head here. Tudor and Gooden, uh, which was one of the better games in – Baseball right. history is just a right, meaningless, you know, or I shouldn't say meaningless, but it's a regular season game, right. but uh, still a dy- uh, dynamite showdown. Uh, Tudor closed out the game that win for the uh, He won. It was a 10 uh, inning, 1 0 shutout win for the Cards. And our uh, dominating, I mean, I don't really. I always put all the work in these notes, and then I skip half of them when we start talking about them. So it's like, why do I fucking put it in here? Uh, Herzog once said, "It's usually important to look at how a team plays coming out of a big series like this." 
than it is to look at the series itself. And that was true in 85. The Cardinals picked up where they left off, sweeping the Cubs again in Wrigley, sweeping the Pirates, sweeping Montreal, and getting a full head of steam. Meanwhile, the Mets were up and down. Uh, when the season's final week arrived, St. Louis held a commanding three-game lead. There was still one more Mets-Cardinals showdown coming. Uh... And it was generally assumed that St. Louis would win all. Well, fuck that up. It was generally assumed that just one St. Louis win would all but salt away the division title. Tudor did the unbelievable, though, and again threw 10 shutout openings in the final season opener there, or the series opener, excuse me. Uh, Ron Darling matched him 0 for 0. Darling was a. Ron Darling, Ron Darling. Uh, Daly gave up a solo home run to Daryl Strawberry. I love Daryl Strawberry. Uh, in the 11th, and St. Louis lost 1-0. Gooden beat Andor 5-2 the next night. And suddenly, St. Louis's lead was down to a single game. Cox pitched six innings in the finale, and Coleman came through offensively. The rookie delivered three hits, two RBIs, and the Cardinals to the 5-4-3 win. The lead was two games going into the final weekend. St. Louis was hosting Chicago in the series opener. Force pitched eight strong innings while Coleman had two hits. The Cardinals won four to two. So, a lot to digest there. Uh, the Mets also won, but St. Louis was now assured of at least one game of at least a one-game playoff and only needed more one more win. They got it. Tudor was on the mound, and a 1-1 tie was broken when the Cardinals scored two runs in each of the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings with a 7-1 win. Herzog and St. Louis were returning to the postseason for the first time in three seasons. Uh, their opponent in the NLCS? Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, that breaks your heart. Yeah, I should use your face right there. Yeah. Just broke your damn heart, didn't it? Yes, it did. Um, well... We're still recording. I'm watching it count, but cool. now I've lost the sound pad again. So, but you know what? I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep faith. I still haven't listened to the other episode. I ran that equipment all night last night, fucking around with it, just checking. Oh yeah, no problems. No problems. Now we go live, and you know what? Fuck, Kurt. I don't even think about it because uh, I think I got good enough content. Oh yeah. So, anyways, the Dodgers, uh, Cardinals were in trouble at the start of that series. Yes. Um, they go to game five where, I mean, I'm not really going to, I'm just right, skipping around, but right. let's shoot to game five of the NLCS in 85. Ozzy broke a two, two tie to win game five. Oh, yeah. you got a story. You got hit me. You got, you, oh. had a, you had a look there. You got something. Oh, you well, I mean, yeah, I remember watching that game and, uh, the last thing I would have thought of would have been Ozzy Smith, especially batting left-handed. Turning on a Tom Needenfuhrer fastball and hitting it out to right field. Just blasted it. Well, yeah, right down the line, too. I mean, line drive. As soon as he hit it, I was like, oh. <laughs> no. But, yeah, that's. That's why I, I could see it in your face. I was like, he's got a memory or a story here. And it, it literally took the wind out of the Dodgers' sails. And, well, the rest is. Okay. So the Cardinals won close game, won close games on the road in games one and two. Looked firmly in command, especially when Tudor threw uh, 
a lights out game four performance to a victory. Uh, but that was St. Louis's last win of the season. They lost game five at home. But that was St. Louis's last win of the season. Why the fuck did I put that? They lost game five at home, and then with a late lead in game six, an infamous umpire's call set the state. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I see my what you notes, did there. My notes. I see what you did there. <laughs> Everybody forget about that, you know. Technical error on the computer side of thing. I mean, if you'd see the work I put in on these notes here. Comedic relief. So, uh... <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I just uh, skipped ahead a little bit. Well, that's all right. Okay. So... You didn't give it away yet. Bas- yeah, we didn't give it away yet. So, basically, uh, to, comm- or to finish up here, the first part of this, the 85 Cardinals recap, uh, they won 101 games. Uh, won memorable division races in NLCS that broke the hearts of many people, including yours. Oh yeah. Uh, they produced a league MVP and they had a hell of a hell of a bullpen. Yes. At least with their first three starters yes. and their closer. So now on the other side, let's jump to the AL. The Kansas City Royals were the consistent standard bearer in the old American League West. Uh, from 69 to 93, the West was Kansas City, Oakland, Texas, and the Angels, Seattle, Chicago White Sox, Minnesota, then all the realignment. So the Royals won their divisions five times in nine years. Pretty good. Now, see, I was born in 87, you know, grow up baseball, you love baseball, you go back and research. Did not realize that they were that dominant of a yes, hand yes. in the American League. They always run up against the Yankees, and the Yankees would. Oh, that's in here. That's in yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, they would uh, run up against the Yankees, and, well, Billy Martin and the boys would put them out. So, uh, <clears throat> by the way, a loss to shout out the Philadelphia Phillies, my boys left them still searching for their first ever world championship, which would have been in 1980. 1980. Yeah. So, they make it to the big game, the big dance, get their heart broke. Uh, in 1984, Kansas City won the West, weak division, but they got bounced from the ALCS by... Sparky Anderson. Detroit Tigers. Detroit Tigers. You like Sparky, don't you? Yeah, I always like Sparky. Yeah. Great great guy. Yeah. I liked him. I mean, obviously, we don't know him personally, but, you know, from what I've seen, Good for baseball. Good for baseball. Hey, I like the way you were that. High five. Uh, So, now, the Royals... In 85, were led by future Hall of Famer third baseman George Brett. Arguably, probably one of the best hitters of his generation, of his era, of his time. He could rake, yeah. Uh, Brett would win a batting championship in 85, hitting 355. On the other side of the infield was Steve. Balboni. Balboni. Uh, he's a size wide. He was a big, big son guy. of a bitch, wasn't yeah, he? Big guy. Imposing uh, figure when he had you get back. 36 home runs that led the league. Now, as I shift from the computer to the. One uh, other fact there, he also struck out like 166 times that year. Just, and still. And still, yeah. Blasted. 36 the league. So he was all or nothing type strikeout or a home run. Um, 
which incidentally we'll get to it in the World Series, but he didn't hit a home run that whole World Series. You know, the Yankees, and here's here's some of my handwritten notes I wrote down here, the one I showed you when you got here. Balboni got traded by the Yankees. Yeah. Roger Erickson with Roger Erickson for Armstrong and Dwayne Dewey. Okay. So Balboni comes in. Uh, now, the funny thing about this is George Brett was a second-round draft pick in 71, face of the team, kind of. There was like a three-headed monster, a three-headed brain trust of, of, of a inner core, basically, of guys that helped set this mid-'80s run up, which would have been George Brett, would have been Willie Wilson, and Frank White. Yeah. Which, uh... Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Um... So, I mean, we'll get to it, but I'm going to read this out just because I... George Brett, um, his regular season average in 85, batting 335, scored 108 runs, 30 homers, 112 RBIs. You know what his on-base percentage was? Uh, 436. 436. So, uh... The guy can rake. Yeah, so... uh, you know, like I said, the, their lineup was filled with uh, Frank White, second baseman, Willie Wilson, and uh, do you remember the DH? Hal McCray. Hal McCray. Uh, he was traded from the Reds in 72 with Wayne Simpson for Nelson, and uh, Hal McCray batted 259, 41 runs, 14 homers, still knocked in 70 RBIs. He great, too. Uh, I think him didn't him and Balboni uh, alternated first that year. I, I think. Yes, they did. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, the funny thing here is that my notes I'd put in here that a lot of these veteran guys kind of underperformed what they normally do in the '85 season, but it all worked out in the end, as we'll get to. The offense was ranked 13th in the AL and runs scored that season. But here's what, and you, you always say, you know, I love pitching. Here's what I think set them apart. The pitching staff, oh, yeah. second best in the AL in ERA. The top of the rotation, 21 years old, badass, one of my all-time oh, yeah. favorites, Brett, Brett Saberhagen. Saberhagen. So, Saberhagen, 20-6 that season, 287 ERA, 158 set downs, uh, 235 innings pitch. So he wasn't pitching as much as guys like Tudor and everybody, but he uh, they, they managed him well. They leaned on him. They yeah. leaned on him, they but they managed him, him well. Managed him well, yes. Uh, he was a 19th-round draft pick in uh, 82, uh, righty, and he ended up eventually winning World Series MVP. Uh, he would also, of course, the big one, bring home the Cy Young. Uh, but behind him, uh, you had Charlie LeBrant. LeBrant, yep. Uh, Crafty left-hander. Yeah, southpaw, 17-9, 269 ERA, 108 set-downs, 237 innings pitched. Uh, Danny Jackson? He was traded in 83. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. He, he became a Royal in 83. Danny Jackson's the next one. 
14 and 12, a 342 ERA, 114 sit downs. Another Southpaw. Another Southpaw. Uh, number one overall pick in the 1980. Yeah, did not either until I went back and started huh. doing my notes. Uh, now, the f- number four guy in the rotation was one of my favorites. Uh, another Southpaw. They had a lot of Southpaws in this lineup. That's, uh, that's something else. Yes. I think that helps set them apart, oh, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't care who you are. People don't like facing left-handed Well, there's pitchers. a couple uh, Cardinal hitters that didn't bat as well from the right side. Yeah, oh, yeah. As they well, did. As the, well, there was, they had switch hitters everywhere in their lineup. Oh, hell yeah. So, Bud Black. Bud Black. Now, his win-loss for the season was – he was 10-15. and 15, But he had a 433 ERA, 122 strikeouts – pitched 205 innings. He was involved in a 1982 trade from the Mariners for Manny Castile. Uh, of course, as we'll cover later on, uh, even though his win-loss was, you know, not as great as the others. I mean, he was 10 and 15. He had a hell of an ALCS. He was yes. a big part of them yes. winning the ALCS. Uh, and then uh, – <clears throat> Do you remember? You said it earlier. Do you remember who the fifth starter was? Gubaza. Gubaza. 14 Mark and 10. Uh, right 406. Yeah. The only other right hander. I think he threw pretty hard, too. Second round of the 81 MLB draft. Uh, <coughs> yeah, he had like a 90 something mile an hour lights out. Yeah. Pretty good fastball. Pretty sure. good fastball. Uh, and then the closer. Who was the closer? Dan Quisenberry. Dan Quisenberry. Uh, 237 ERA, had 37 saves, pitched 129 innings that regular season. Uh, he was a 1975 free agent addition in the offseason. Uh, back in that day, they might have called on their closer to pitch more than just three outs. So, I mean, he may have to pitch a couple innings. Led the league that season in saves with 37, yeah, too. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very important information. Uh, it took him a little bit to get the rhythm, though. I mean, you know, here's here's some of the, the shit here. But, uh, it took him a little bit to get the rhythm. April wasn't that good to him. Uh, they they were two back after about a month. Uh, they kind of had a little bit of mediocrity going on for a while. They were 46 and 44 in July, seven and a half games back from the Angels. So, at this point, you're not thinking this, you know... You know where I'm going with this. Right. Uh, they finally started to make the turn towards pennant race mode in July. They swept a six-game homestead against the Yankees and the Cleveland Indians. Kansas City took two of three from Detroit and then cut the lead to two games by the time August got here. Uh, they ripped off eight strips. Eight straight wins to open September by sweeping a homestead against the White Sox and the Brewers. Three of the wins came in walk-off fashion. Yeah, three of the wins came in walk-off fashion. And Kansas City moved into first place by a game and a half when they went to California to face the Angels for a three-game series starting September 9th. So all of a sudden, while you're not really paying attention to this team that's underperforming, holy fuck, they're right here. And so... Uh, so that series against the Angels, Saberhagen started the Monday night opener but didn't pitch well, dropped a 7-1 decision. Charlie. Lee Brent. Lee Brent. 
was ready at the helm the next night with a complete game, three-hit shutout. And then Lonnie Smith, who we talked about earlier, who's going to eventually play his old team, uh, him and Frank White each homered in a 6-0 win. So, but in the finale, um, Jackson hooked up with an angel. Jackson, what did I write here? In the finale, Jackson hooks up with Angel's starter, Ron Remick, in a pitcher's duel. That was Oh, yeah, that's right. My notes. So, they get in a pitcher's duel with Ray Romanek. Uh, scoreless in seven innings. So, White drew a leadoff walk early, stole second base. Balboni worked a walk, uh, and a ground ball moved both runners up. Thank God for YouTube. I watched that the other day. <laughs> uh, role players came through then as, uh, Doe seems to count on role players. Uh, Quirk singled. And, Jamie uh, Quirk. Jamie Quirk. Yeah. And then Jorge. Uh, Jorge, uh. Order, order. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Making you think for a minute. Yeah, well, I could see the. I could see order. his number. Yeah. Order. He doubled. Uh, the Rangers got a run. Or the Rangers. The, it was like Royals Angels. The Rangels. The Rangels. The Angels got a run back in the seventh, but Quisenberry came in to close the two-one win, and Kansas City was up by two and a half games. So then it seems like they're going to pull away with the ALS. The race took another turn. They lost. Uh, they lost a handful of the next, and they got swept at home by a very shitty Seattle Mariners team. So, out of the blue, it's the wheels are coming back off the cart. Uh, the bats were quiet in a sweep at Minnesota. Kansas City was one game behind California when the final week began, and it would begin with a four-game showdown between the Royals and the Angels back inside Kansas City. Saberhagen started again and faced California... Angels veteran lefty John, come on! You say you talk about him all the time. He he was in your pictures. You picked him. Was, oh, Candelaria! Candelaria! There you go. When we did our bonus yep, episode, yep. so Saberhagen's doing against Candelaria. I wish I could have seen that. I mean, I'm sure I could find a clip on YouTube. I didn't. Right. I didn't look for that game. Uh, Candelaria was a key part of what team that won the World Series, you remember? Uh, 79 Pirates. 79 Pirates. We That's are right. family. We are family. Uh, so, I'm trying to see. Uh, game's kind of so-so. Uh, George Brad Homer's in the fourth inning. Uh, Saberhagen finally gets settled in. Both teams miss chances. The Royals... In the sixth, when White was gunned at the plate, and the Angels in the seventh, when leadoff hitter Pettis, Gary Pettis, if I do remember, yep. was caught stealing in the inning. Kansas City finally broke through in the seventh when a veteran catcher, who was their catcher? Uh, what was it? It had Sunberg. And, Sunberg. Yep. Sunberg. Jim Sunberg. He, uh, by the way, came over at the start of the season from. I'm not sure. Rainy. Minnesota or Milwaukee? I think it was Minnesota. I think. It was one of the two. <clears throat> yeah, one of the two. Uh, he hit a home run. Anyways, Kansas City added an insurance run in the eighth. Uh, Wilson tripled and scored on a sack fly from George Brett. The AL race was even with six days left to go in the regular season. So, Angels sent their top starter, Mike Witt, to the mound on Tuesday night with an ERA on the high side of 380, though. 
Uh, let's see here. Second baseman Bobby Grish hit an early home run, and then in the fifth, Brian Downing uh, delivered key hits in a three-run inning. Witt was solid, and the Angels won four to two to reclaim the division lead. Pressure shifted back to Kansas City and future Padres manager Bud Black. Once again, like to throw little facts in there. Took the uh, took the mound, delivered one of the biggest showings of his career, threw a three hit shutout and a first inning three run blast from George Brett. Sent Kansas City to four zero win, and then on the series finale on Thursday night, regular series finale, uh, George Brett walked in the first, and then Frank White hit a two run homer. Brett homered in the fifth. Uh, Jackson outdueled yet another Angel Hall of Famer pitcher, Don Sutton. Yeah. Always okay. talk about yep. Don Sutton. Yep. Kansas City won 4 1 and took a one game lead. Um, so, and then the final game uh, Angels lost on Friday night. Kansas City won both Friday and Saturday. The West was over. The Royals were back to the playoffs. So then the 85 ACLS. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I didn't really write much about that. I'm trying to think, uh, who did some of the other stars with had Jesse Barfield. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I put a fucking thing in here about that 85 ACLS. Let me look. Uh, this is all I wrote. George Bell. The 85 ACLS was. Interesting. That's what I wrote. Was interesting. The Royals were filled with veterans of October, while their opponent, the Toronto Blue Jays, was not as deep with playoff experience. This is the first year the ALCS round went to a best of seven format. It was just in time <coughs> for Kansas City as they lost three of their first four. But with Brett being George Brett, they won three straight, the final two on the road, and took the AL pennant. So that leads us to the I seventy. The I seventy series. So before we get to that, man, I'm really following this format. Let's see if it's it's still flashing error, but it's recording. So uh, I'm not gonna worry about it. Oh, not bad. what the hell's going on with it lately? Uh, before we uh plug our second official sponsor and before we get to some meat and taters i'm gonna give kind of a quick overlook and recap of the 1985 major league baseball season in general uh as finding following my research as i fire up a cigarette here following my research this week or technically a week and a half because i had a lot of time to prep for this one i learned that this was one of the more underrated seasons in all of Major League Baseball. This was a great season for a lot of reasons. Yes. Uh, Fist bump, bro. I'm so glad you're here. I'm looking forward to this episode. I want to give you some reasons why the 85 season was one of the the best ever, and it was underrated. Um, Three of Major League Baseball's four divisions had races that came down to the final week, and all three were settled with head-to-head series in an era where we didn't have the wild card safety right. net like you right. do now. You know, the wild card right. is always the safety blanket for guys nowadays. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
the postseason saw both LCS winners lose their first two games, then roar back. That's impressive. <laughs> That's impressive. Okay. The World Series itself was a geographic fucking thing. That's I mean, the battle for Missouri. I mean, yeah. uh, and it went to seven games. <laughs> so, uh, so look, go ahead. I, I wish I, I was watching uh, game six and seven last night on YouTube and doing a little prep work. Yeah. Right? And shout out to Al Michaels. I mean, he should do more baseball than football. I think that's just out there. Right? I grew up with him doing football. Football. Sunday, Monday night football, him and John Madden in the booth, and then Sunday night football with him and Chris Collinsworth. Uh, him and Tim McCarver did a pretty good job. And, yeah. Uh, Jim Palmer was in on that. Do you know why Howard Cosell wasn't part of this World Series? I do. Oh, not. we'll get we'll get to that. All right. We'll get, All right. There's a reason why Howard Cosell wasn't calling the World Series. He done pissed off Major League Baseball brass. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. I promise. So, uh, some other things about the 85 baseball season in general. Uh, the Cardinals were, by all intents and purposes, the best team in baseball during the regular season. Battles with the Mets were legendary. Uh, you know, so this is what I wrote. I wrote basically wrote down all four participants of the AL here. The Blue Jays come in existence in 77 and had improved every year since. They made 85 their year with an AL East title. It looked like this was going to be their ticket to the World Series and, you know, shut down. Get ready to cry. The Los Angeles Dodgers, after a terrible, terrible 1984 season, oh, would yeah. you agree? Oh, for sure, yeah. After a terrible 84 season... Had a comeback year for Tommy Lasorda. Uh, they were the only team to clinch a division title before the final weekend of the season, thanks to third baseman Pedro Guerrero and the pitching of Oral Hershiser and... Fernando Valenzuela. You love that guy, don't you? Yes, I like Fernando. And then the California Angels had fallen off the map since their 82 playoff appearance, and then they had bounced back, uh, but led to disappointment by the Angels. Uh, some other reasons why the 85 season was great. Uh, the Battle of the Big Apple. The Mets and Yankees contended the entire season for the postseason until the final weekend. Uh, Dwight Gooden, obviously, Cy Young winner. Uh, one of the best pitching seasons of all time for the Mets. Billy Martin returned to manage the Yankees in what would prove to be his last year in, yep. for the Bronx Bombers. Uh Kansas City and St. Louis each had dug themselves into a hole in the AL and NLCS, but then they rallied. Uh, the Royals won three straight. The Cardinals relied on consecutive games with big home runs. So, some milestones. And then I promise we'll, we'll get to this. Some milestones for the 85 season. Nolan Ryan got his 4,000th strikeout in the 85 season. Rod Carew collected his 3,000th hit. Man, what a hitter. Tom Seaver earned his 300th victory. Pete Rose cracked his 4,192nd hit on September 11th, breaking Ty Cobb's record. And the man's not in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) The Yankees that season, uh, with their devastating lineup, Don Mattingly, Dave Winfield, Ricky Henderson, Don Baylor, 
uh ron Gr- uh gidry gidry ron gidry yep. i stumbled there ron gidry had a pretty good season for him too winning 22 games uh of course the royals is i have listed here for their pitching rotation uh the cardinals you know uh tudor should have had serious Cy Young, but he lost Gooden because of this. Gooden had uh, an NL leading 24 wins, 268 strikeouts, and his ERA that season was 153. So Lights out. The only real damper on this year was a small player strike in August, which I mean, I forgot all about that. halted the season for two or three days only. Yeah. So, uh and then in September, several players, Keith Hernandez and Dave Parker included, which were the big names, testified in court that they had used cocaine. And in their quest for more money, here you go with the money again, the playoffs expanded to a best-of-seven series. So that's the recap of each LCS winner's regular season and baseball in general. And now... Before we get the meat and taters, we are going to plug another sponsor, um, Deer 30 Mineral. Uh, check out Deer30Mineral.com, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Like them on Facebook, email them at Deer30Mineral or uh, DeerMineral at gmail.com, 270-339-7731. Less sodium, more nutrition, more nutrients equal big racks. I don't know any man that don't love big, big racks. racks. That's right. Wherever, take that however <laughs> innuendo you want to use it for. For sure. Uh, so, uh, good supplement. Uh, actually, follow a page on Facebook. Uh, shout out to the Perfect Stand Boys, uh, deer hunters, outdoorsmen, coyote hunters. They posted some pictures of their food plots that are growing quite nicely and uh, some pictures from their trail camps from some of the deer that have been visiting the food plots. And, uh, Holy shit. Oh, yeah. So, uh, like like I said, look up Deer 30 Mineral for all you guys out there for your food plots. Uh, their clock stoppers, probably their, their big hitter, high protein. Uh, so, there's that. I need to put some of that out because I, I had noticed in my garden at home uh, yesterday evening. Oh, no. Yes, I had a visitor. Did you? Eating the beans. My green beans is picking them off a little bit. I don't care about the green beans. Just don't let him get that sweet, sweet corn, corn. That's right. Me. That's right. Uh, he went in the sweet corn. He's in, I see where he nipped my green beans a little bit. Yeah, he can have all them he wants. <laughs> so, uh, you love when I say meat and taters. So, oh, yeah. are you ready for some meat yes. and taters? So, after winning seven. AL West division titles, two American League pennants, and participating in five out of the last ten championship series in 76, 77, 78, 80, and 85, the Royals were still searching for that elusive first World Series championship. The National League St. Louis Cardinals had played in 13 fall classics, won nine of them, and entered 1985, number two on the all-time world titles list, 13 behind who? The Yankees. The Yankees. Damn it, I wish I had a boo button. Yeah. Right boo. Now. So, two powerhouses commencing the I 70 series, the Show Me Showdown. Uh, two powerhouses on the card. This fall classic was shaped up to be a close race, and most experts believed it would come down to pitching, which I think, in theory, 
It came down to it, pitching or Dinkager's call, which we'll get to that later. <laughs> Trust me. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get to Dinkager's call. Uh, so the But the theory about the pitching pretty much was stacked rotations for the most part on both sides. I mean, you could argue after each man's third starter then it kind of decent middle relief yeah i mean their middle relief was decent but then you got on the back end and closers they each had but but here you go saber hagen 20 and 6 tudor <laughs> tudor 21 and 8 so the series opened up at the royal stadium and this is where i have to scroll down and scroll back up because i have information for you Nine, 10 19 1985, Kauffman Stadium. First pitch thrown out by owners, Ewing Kauffman and Muriel Kauffman. 41,650 fans in attendance. The national anthem sang by Reba McIntyre. did not know that. Oh, I'm telling you, I I dug for this. Uh, Obviously, Sunberg was catching uh, the first pitch. So, scroll back up. This is going to be a lot of scrolling up and down. So the series opened up. Tudor set the pace with a dominant debut that sent the home team home with a 3-1 defeat. So I know I'm going to give you this, and then I've got a sidebar on the web opened up where if we want to go inning by inning on some things we can. So let's scroll back down. So then game two was the following day, October 20th, 85, from Kaufman. The widow of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Coretta Scott King, threw out the first pitch. Huh. 41,656 fans in attendance, so we had six more people show up to the stadium. The national anthem, national anthem sung by Melba Moore. I have no idea who that is. It says jazz pianist here. Pianist. <laughs> Keep it clean, folks. <laughs> I'm the one laughing. So, Charlie... Lee Brent. Lee Brent. Turned the tables through a 2-0 masterpiece going into the final inning with three outs to go. What appeared to be the sweet taste of victory for Dick Hauser's Royals quickly turned sour as fucking Jack Clark knocked in Willie McGee, and it all went downhill from there. So Tito Landrum followed with a double down the right field line that sent Clark to third, and as the threatening Caesar... Cesar Cedeno. Cesar Cedeno stepped to the plate. The Royal Ace was forced to intentionally walk him. Now, I don't really. Here's the thing. Uh, yeah, now I knew you were going to say something about this. Uh, Charlie Liebrand had pitched a great game, but in everybody's, everybody's eyes, you could see he was out of gas. And I don't know why Hauser didn't go to Quisenberry. They had him up working in the bull, warming up in the bullpen. I'm not sure to this date what they was thinking. Okay, so here it is. Here it is. Back in time, you're Hauser. What are you doing? Are you bringing him in then? I bring Quisenberry in. Yeah, I mean, good and job, seven, Charlie Lee Brandt. You pitched a great. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. We're going to – we need a win, basically. I mean, we're down 1-0. Okay. I mean, I just wasn't sure what he was thinking there, but it all worked out, I guess, but – one of those moments is like, uh, uh, what's he thinking? So now you're in a jam yeah, because the bases are loaded. And unfortunately, another name we've mentioned at work to each other millions of times as we've talked baseball. The next guy up the plate, Terry 
Pendleton. Terry Pendleton doubled down the line and left, which sent all three, three of them yeah. across the plate for a 4-2 comeback. So now down two games to none, we're going to just go right down I-70, uh, and the Royals are going to start Saberhagen when we get to Bush Stadium for game three. So game three took place. Game three took place two nights later on October 22nd, 1985. The first pitch was thrown out by August Bush, St. Louis Cardinals owner, to Daryl Porter. Yep. Uh, attendance for that game was 56,634 paid attendance. The national anthem was sung by Grammy winner Lou Rawls. Uh, don't know who the fuck that is. I should have. Uh I didn't think it was important to research that. Yeah. 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 So, fun fact, though. So, here you go. You got sophomore in his sophomore season, Saberhagen. His first pit or his first World Series start, game three. Do you know what's going on in his personal life at this yeah, time? It's him and his wife are expecting a child. Like, at that, any moment. At any moment, moment like yeah. that day. Yeah. So, you know, his mind's got to be not on baseball. Right. And, and, and the fun fact, yeah, that's, that's true, a true story there. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if they had that child in, during the World Series. I think they might have. I think they, she ended up having it. I don't know that for sure. I but. think I'll put it in there later. So, but anyways, he's got this distraction going on. Like, clear as day, he's got this serious distraction going on here. And they're asking him to pitch game three down 2-0. <laughs> so, in between... 21 the, so, years old, too. So, so, even more fun fact about this. They decide to flash messages, messages excuse me, from the team's bench <laughs> to his spouse... You know, just to kind of, you know, because he's worried about that. But in the midst of all this, and what have we always talked about? Like, uh, Brett Favre when his father passed away. Tiger Woods when his dad. What happens? These Something athletes, special happens. Fucking dealing on the mound. Lights out. Brilliant. Six hits, though. Whatever. But eight strikeouts. Lonnie Smith, the former Cardinal. Yep. Led the six to one offensive effort with a two run double off Anwar in the fourth, and then Frank White followed close behind with an RBI double and a two run homer of his own. Yep. So the bats finally come, come to, to life, yeah. But it, I think it took Saber Hagen kind of getting out there, yeah. doing his shit. Yeah, I mean, in, in, under them circumstances, what a game! You know, it's a great game. I love talking about baseball. I do too. <laughs> it's so, a passion. So then we go to game four. The very next, the very next night. Um, Danny Jackson start that game. Maybe. Uh, so game four we go to, which is the next night. From Bush Stadium again, uh, October 24th, 1985. Uh, the first pitch thrown out by the lovely, and she's a sweet woman, Rachel Robinson, the widow of Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. Yep. Uh, she threw out the first pitch. Attendance for that game was 53,000. 
634. So we're down a few thousand from the night before. Whatever. I mean, uh, national anthem sung by Jennifer Holiday. Once again, another name I don't know. Um, so I have put down here. Tudor returned for game four and held the AL champions to five hits with home run backing from Landrum and McGee. Uh, Landrum was in for the injured Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman, that's correct. Who, who had incidentally got run over by a tarp. The fastest guy in baseball that you're <laughs> run over by the tarp. I mean, <sighs> Wow. How does that happen? How does that happen? The man who stole 110 bases run over by the tarp. Movie. You know, Cardinals management's pissed about this. Oh, this is like yeah. The dumbest thing that could have ever happened. Oh, my. Uh, no, it was Bud Black. Bud Black. Who was in game four? Bud Black. Uh, anyways, Landrum. As I said, in for Coleman. Nailed a solo homer off Black in the second. And McGee matched him in the third. And then in the fifth, Tom Nieto yep. added a perfect squeeze bunt. Yep. And the Cardinals moved two games up with a 3-0 triumph. So... The bats fell silent again for the Royals. Yeah. So, they're in this hole, and it looks all too familiar like what happened in the ALCS yeah. against the Blue Jays. George Brett even said it. He he was thinking, uh, right, here we are again, and I miss out on another World Series. That's what he was thinking. So, then, game five. Um, game five. Let me scroll down. I did a lot more work on this episode. So, in game five... We are. Where are we at at game five? We still in St. Louis. No, we're, no, no uh, back to Kansas City. Bush Stadium. Should be Bush Stadium, I think. I think so too. I'm I'm looking here in my notes. Game four. They did the two, three, and then two thing. I think. Yeah. And, so, game five takes place two nights later. This is the first World Series, by the way. Every game was played at night. Prior to that, they had Dayton. Right, so this was right. the first, first World Series. This is when they really think, I guess, they're going to start making the move to make this a more prime times and right, ratings thing right. and, and money. Uh, first pitch, throw it out by minute, uh, Missouri Senator Tom Eagleton. Uh, the attendance was 53,634, and the national anthem was sang by... Here's a band we haven't talked about. We tell, I mean, back this up with the listeners here. I mean, you talk about music a lot, uh, too. Quite a bit, uh, quite yeah. A, I, mean, yeah. I mean, this podcast was about sports and other stuff, but we talk about music a good chunk uh, of the day, too. A good chunk of the day, yeah. Take, throw me a guess. It's a country act. Throw me a guess who would have... Oak Ridge Boys. Close. It's in that same, oh, same thing. Man. The Gatlin Brothers. The Gatlin Brothers. The Gatlin Brothers sang the national anthem for Game 5. All the gold in California. California. That's my favorite. Okay, so let's go back up here. So, obviously, I guess the mindset is, here we go. The Cardinals 
are in their mind. I'm they're pretty sure game five's here. We're gonna go ahead and one more win. We're gonna we're gonna knock these boys out. Uh, they started Bob Force uh, against a much younger Danny Jackson. Uh, both teams struck single runs in the first inning, so you know. But then something different happens. Kansas City added three runs, three more runs in the second, including a two-run triple by Willie Wilson. The surprise attack, because that's what that's what it basically was. I wrote surprise attack. Uh, they pull force off the mound. Uh, but Danny Jackson continued for a complete five-hit, six-one victory that brought the series back home. So yeah, they yep. were at Bush. Yep. So then, um, not much to write about in Game Five. Um. Infamous game six. It wasn't infamous until the ninth inning. Well, yeah. Oh, here we go. I was like, why is the son of a bitch going down? So, game six, we're back at Kaufman. Okay, attendance is 41,628. So, attendance is down. First pitch thrown out by astronaut Sally Ride to Sunberg. Uh, Grammy Award winner, country music legend. Tell me a name for a national anthem. Oh, George Jones. Conway Twitty. Harold Jenkins. Harold Jenkins, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm a lineman for the county. Wakita lineman. Oh, man. When I was a boy, I used to think this was always Roy Clark, but it wasn't. It was Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell, okay. Yeah, okay. I always thought, always thought those two were the same person. It did. <laughs> That's how young and naive I was. Fun fact, though, when we get to Game 7, you're going to like who does the National Anthem there. Okay. Yeah, because you're just going to be like, what the fuck? It's, you know, <laughs> what we were just talking But, uh, okay, so let's let's get back up here, continuing with the meat and taters. Definitely like meat and taters. I don't know. I'm fat. I love everything. So. Yeah, I always say it. I'll eat anything, anything that don't I'll eat me, me back. first. That's right. I just love doing this. So, Charlie Lee Brandt. I love doing it because I just mo- <coughs> I motion me. to you every time. So, Charlie's getting a start for game six. Okay. And he's dealing. I mean, he's on the mound and he's dealing. I mean, setting him up, setting him down. They're scoreless into seven innings. Okay. Uh, neither team changed the board. Though, as Danny Cox matched the shutout and added eight strikeouts going in the eighth, Brian Harper, who had substituted for Cox at the plate, finally managed to break through the duel with the clutch two-out single that scored Pendleton, who had been stranded on second. Daly replaced the departed Cox and worked a scoreless effort going into the bottom of the ninth. In a brilliant move, Hauser sends Daryl Motley a right-handed pinch batter, to face the left-handed closer. So tell me then, Kurt, what does card skipper Whitey Herzog do after this? He goes to the pen and brings in Todd Worrell, I think. He does. Take me back through that, because I know you're reliving your childhood or your teenage years right now. It was the right move, I think. 
Well, I mean, well, Dinkinger might have something to say Dinkinger about that. Dinkinger might have something to say about that. <laughs> but, and, and Dick Hauser does what then? He comes back with what move? So Hauser counters, and instead of Motley, Jorge yeah. Orta, Orta comes up to yeah. plate. Okay. So now we've got like a fucking, I don't know how else to call this other than we got some Cat human mouse, little bit of human chess going yes, on with baseball sure. players here. For sure. Love it. So for all these people watching this in real time back in 85, and obviously I was still located in testicles. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it, folks. I mean, we keep it pretty clean. I was still located in testicles in 85, but uh, you don't realize what you're watching at the time. And then you go back and appreciate like history's fixing to be fucking made now. Yeah. So okay. Unbeknownst to the We're gonna bring world. Motley in. Okay, yeah. well fuck that. We're gonna put Whirl in. Okay, yeah, well I'm gonna put Order in. So Awesome stuff, man. I love dude, it. Dude, I love this shit. Okay. So What was uh, order batting that year? I mean, do you have any Uh Well, uh, in the World Series or just in the regular just season? Just in the regular season to in give the, an overview of what kind of year he'd had. In I mean, the regular season, did I write it down? Did I, write I mean, I, I, he was more of a utility player. I don't think he got a whole lot of at-bats. I can get it for you, though, because I have it down here further in the notes. World season and regular season. I don't have it on my handwriting. So. Let's go hitting statistics. Damn, I don't have the regular season. Oh, well, I mean, it's all right. But In the World Series, though, he hit 333. Right. I thought I had the regular series stats on order. I didn't put him in there because he really wasn't. Right, right. That's just trying to... Yeah, so here we are, ninth inning, World Series, and we're bringing Ordered up to bat against a flamethrower, Todd Worrell, right? Right. You know something I want to you know do? Something we've never done before. I'm going to play, in just a second, I'm going to play Dinkerger's Call. I'm going I'm to play it. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. So, that'd be cool. I mean, yeah, so. Okay. While I cue that up, let's finish where we're at here. So, <clears throat> Ordo responds with a grounder towards first baseman Jack Clark. Clark yep. Clark tossed it to the pitcher on the bag. Umpire Dinkager called him safe, although everyone else in the park ballpark has convinced he trailed Worrell by step. Oh yeah. Like for, he for should sure. he should be out. So they show several replays indicating Dinkager was wrong, but the contested runner fucking oh, gasket. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh he was not happy. So when and, and the replays it Showed he was out. I mean, by a step. It did. I'm going to play the YouTube clip. Today. Yeah, I'll turn it towards you. You can see it. Chopper. Oh, yeah. It's on now. Yeah. Her zone's pissed. Oh, yeah. They're all over there. Al Michaels. Yeah. You notice how you see him? Yeah. American League umpire? Yeah. Mm. And now here comes here comes the replays. 
Dude, he, I hate to say this, but I gotta be honest. If you love baseball, he's clearly out. Clearly, clearly out. Look, he's at fucking step Step, behind, maybe two steps. Uh, Dinkinger was not in a very good position to make that call right there. Look where Dinkinger's. Look where he's standing. Yeah, look where. I mean, he should be right on the line, shouldn't he? That's where I would think he would stand. He's five feet behind the back. Nobody mentions that. No. But he's got a position to make that call right there. Look at her side. Oh, yeah. He's oh, yeah. For sure. Shout out Major League Baseball. We're not supposed to use content without their express written consent, but if they can find a podcast that's only got 120-something downloads in the first six weeks, you know, I'll pay the fine. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and we're going to, we're, you know what, fuck it. Before we move on, we're, we're going to cover more of the Dinkager stuff. Bad call. Bad call. Out of position. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'll give you my answer. Do you think this call adversely affected the outcome of the World Series with, you know? You got to say yes. You do? I. Okay, let me, let me. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. It did alter the outcome of this game, but do you think the only reason Kansas City won the World Series was because they basically got a quote unquote extra game out of this call? Because I got some shit later that's going to blow your mind. I don't put all this on Dinkinger. No, yeah, you can't put it all on Dinkinger. I mean, they still had to play Game Seven. That was a bad call, though. That was a bad call. Like out of position. I mean. This this comes to to the rights and wrongs. Like I hate the Cardinals, but God damn it, if you love baseball like we do, right. and baseball's your first love, like it was mine, even before pro wrestling, you, you got to make the right. And that was a bad call. You hate to see something. Order like was that. out. He was out. Day. Yeah, wasn't even close. No, wasn't even close. Dinkager received death threats that had oh, to be yeah. investigated. Like legit, yeah. the FBI was involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, anyways, we'll get back to that more. Let's let's keep going. So, <clears throat> Steve Balboni's up next. He followed order. Textbook pop out. Okay. And then Clark, still upset from the blown call, had called for... Do you remember this? Yes. He called yes. and he had it. And then... Him he, and Porter kind of looked at each other. Looked, and then he lost, he lost the ball. So, fuck. So, now you've got another man on base. Clear as day. Because Balboni singles in the next pitch, yes. right? And then with two runners on, pinch runner. Come on, you remember? In it, Concepcion. Concepcion comes on. Uh, bunt. They force him out at third. Sunberg bunts. Yeah, uh, and and great play by Danny Todd Borrell. Uh, as the lineups continue, Hal McRae steps into the plate for who? Do, who was Hal putting for? Buddy. <sighs> Come on, you say his Bianca name. Bianca Lana. Bianca Lana. Got a buck eighty-eight. And they fucking walked him. Yeah. Oh wait, hang on. It was intentionally walked Walk. after Daryl Porter committed a pass ball that advanced yes. all runner. So then here comes the big shot. Uh, Dane. Yeah. Org. I wonder if I could pull that up too, because I'm having fun with this episode. I keep looking at the. I keep looking at the recorder, though, don't I? Yeah. It's still going. Um, that, that pass ball by Daryl Porter was another blunder that kind of. Ex- oh my god, that was terrible! I mean, 
don't know if he got crossed up. Him and Warrell, uh, Warrell crossed him up or something, but the pitch was not out of the the zone or what have you. I mean, it was easy, a catchable ball. I don't know. He just he muffed it. I don't know. So here we go. Which you know that they had to win taking out of their sails a little bit. They're, they did. All right, you ready for this? Yes. Here, I'll turn it towards you and watch it again. Shout out Major League Baseball. We're using your shit. <laughs> yep. And it's over. He scores. We go to a seven. seven. And look at pandemonium. That's your word. Pandemonium. Uh, Disbelief on the other side. You see Herzog's face just Yes. He looks like he could breathe fire right now. What a a great slide by Sunberg, too. Oh, my God. Great slide. That was that was a clear cut fastball. He just he just bopped it. But, yeah. Like, I mean, great throw by Andy Van Slyke to uh, to home here. Almost. This this slide is what makes him safe. Oh yeah. If he's not sliding, it's yeah. done. So, great call by Al Michael there <laughs> for sure. So before we get to Game seven here. Let me check our formats just out of curiosity. So, before we get to game seven, I'm going to go ahead and plug another sponsor here. Uh, actually, we need to finish up game six, but go ahead since I said it. Uh, we're going to plug another one of our official unofficial or unofficial official sponsors uh shout out glary guitars uh check out glarymusic.com that's g l a r r y uh very affordable high quality guitars you can get a basically a 2 or 300 dollar quality guitar for basically under 100 bucks i bought pretty good deal i mean you loved it when you yeah it sounds good i bought two of them in january one for me one for zach i mean they have all sorts of acoustics electrics Basses, violins, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Glary Guitars, 606-404-6286. Check them out. High-quality guitars for a fraction. Literally, I used to hate ad reads when people would be like, for a fraction of the cost. And it's like, wait, no, this literally is. This is a $300 or $400 quality guitar for under $100. So uh, so now to finish up game six here. Fun fact, well, which was not Bud Selick at the time. I don't Peter remember. Uberall. Uberall, there you go. Cuts in to the Royals <coughs> dugout so he Excuse can, me. so cuts into the Royals dugout, has the fucking World Series trophy in his hand. This is at the start of the eighth or start of the ninth inning or whatever. And he's walking in there and. Apparently, the Royals were not pleased with that. That pissed them off. And the rumor mill churns that George Brett said something to the teammates about, uh, quote-unquote, let's make this motherfucker pay for this or something like that. That's what the rumor mill churns. That's what I found on a lot of message boards the other night. Uh, 
Suffice to say, however true that is or not, he really was in their dugout with the trophy. That's now, crazy. Whether they really had a little rally meeting with them together or not, but I would say that that probably did provide a motivator. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're cutting through our dugout and you're yeah. holding the trophy. You're going to go present it to the Cardinals, and we still got an inning left yes. to go. Uh, and that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> and history is made. So... Okay, let's scroll down one more time. Did not know that fact. That's crazy there. Game seven. Kurt, where was game seven located? Uh, it was in uh, Kansas City. Kansas City. Kauffman Stadium. Game seven. Uh, first pitch thrown out by American Arthur Joe McGruff, journalist as well. Attendance, 41,658. So, the tennis is kind of dwindling a little bit from the first few games of the World Series, but that tends to happen. People lose interest sometimes. But I don't know if Kauffman Stadium wasn't as big as Bush, neither, I don't think. No. It was a smaller stadium. Smaller stadium. The, the National Anthem, Country and Gospel Music Group. The Oak Ridge Boys. Oak Ridge Boys. I'll be named. I just mentioned him well, earlier. I know. It was, it was, <laughs> it was the Gatlin. But, yeah. So... Um, Still love the Oak Ridge Boys. Okay, so here we go. You ready? Yep. Roll with me, kid. So, game seven. And I only have a small paragraph here, but it's just because we're going to talk about more stuff on it. So, um, sometimes we read our notes sometimes we talk about our notes but steel toes and scoreboards like us on facebook by the way uh so obviously you're going you get a game seven there's only one choice you got to put this guy on the mound it's going to be saberhead yes uh the day before is when he became a father so okay right so uh and Another reason why there's only a small paragraph on this is because there's not a lot to talk about in Game 7. No. Because uh, I'm going to use the words annihilation. Yes. Uh, Five-hit shutout. St. Louis's rotation did not fare very well at all. Motley hammered a two-run homer off John Tudor <laughs> in the second. Balboni blasts a two-run single in the third. In the third, uh, Smith launched a two-run double in the sixth. Uh, George Brett went four for five. Motley finished with three hits, and it was 11-0 massacre that crowned the comeback kings as World Series champions. So this amounts to, after a decade of close but no cigar, the Royals finally Finally. win their first... World Series Championship. Well, damn it. <laughs> yeah. We weren't we were laughing at the Cardinals, that's yeah. what it was. <laughs> so okay. Now uh I'm gonna break this down in a lot I'm gonna break a lot of things down here in a lot of different ways. Uh <clears throat> The first thing I want to talk about is Saberhagen's thoughts uh, on that moment. Uh, in October of 2017, so this is what, 20, 30 something years later? 
So, 85, 2000. So, this is 32 years later. Saberhagen reflected on his feelings immediately after he did an interview uh, immediately after the World Series. He said, I was 20, 21 years old. Uh, he said, Game 7 of the World Series was the most nervous I've ever been in my, before a game, especially considering the fact that I'd pitched a few days before prior uh, when my wife was going to give birth to our child at any minute. Uh but I was more nervous because if we win, we're champions. If we lose, there's not a game eight. That's right. So my nerves were worse on this night. And if we lose, or if we had lost that game, I would feel like I would have felt like it was completely my fault because I was the guy on the mound. If I make a mistake, there is no game eight. That's all I kept thinking. There is no game eight. Uh, a lot of pressure on a 21 year old man. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so like I said, I got a lot of stuff I want to break down in some ways here, uh, in a lot of different ways. So let me start scrolling down. Kurt, we ended up with 8,607 words, uh, 19 pages because I shrunk it down to make it smaller. If I left it on normal standard size font, we would have had uh, 32 pages. So here we go. Now we're going to do, we got some box scores here and stuff. So game one recap, uh, Kansas city scores a run in the second, uh, St. Louis gets, gets on the board for the first time in the third inning and in the fourth inning. Again, they score, uh, another run in the ninth while Kansas city, unfortunately scores nothing. The Cardinals win game one, three to one, uh, off seven hits, um, which was Tudor against <coughs> Saberhagen out there I, in game one. I don't know. Unless you thought maybe, you know, you're going to get at least three games, if not four, maybe you want to <laughs> save him. I, I don't know. I don't know either. I, but to me, I'm putting my ace out. Oh, absolutely. On the, but. Whatever. So the box score for game two of the World Series uh, were scoreless until the fourth inning. Kansas City gets two runs. And then we're scoreless, or we're not scoreless, but St. Louis is scoreless until the ninth when they score four. So we finish that game four runs to two. Kansas City win, or excuse me, St. Louis wins. They're 2 0 in the series. Uh, Danny Cox against Charlie. Lee Brandt. <laughs> I just love doing that. It's just the way we work together. So, uh, game three box score here. Uh, we are scoreless until the fourth inning. Kansas City scores two runs in the fourth. They score two runs in the fifth. Uh, St. Louis finally gets on the board with one run in the sixth. And then Kansas City comes back with two more runs in the seventh. So Kansas City wins six to one in game three. Uh, St. Louis still has a two one series lead though. No big deal. So then we get to oh, by the way, Saberhagen against Joaquin. And Duhar. And Duhar doesn't get enough credit. He 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 was a workhorse that, that year. Um and like I said, we're gonna cover that. There's more coming on that, I promise. So um Anyways, so then we go to game four of the World Series. Box score reads like this. St. Louis 
gets a run in the second inning. Uh, they get a run in the third inning. Kansas City, obviously, they're shut out that game. So game four of the World Series, St. Louis wins 3-0. They have a 3-1, to you know. By the way, Bud Black against John. Two-door. Two-door. <laughs> so game five of the World Series. Uh, both teams knock in a run in the first inning. Kansas City knocks in three in the second. They also knock in two more, like we talked about, in the eighth and the ninth. So Kansas City wins six to one in game five. So now we are at Freak. a could win the series if they win the next game. Danny Jackson beats out Bob Force. So then we go to the infamous game six. So here we go. We're scoreless until the top of the eighth inning. Or uh yeah, top of the it would have been top of the eighth. Uh, and St. Louis gets a run, so they're up 1-0, and then the bottom of the ninth, man, one of the greatest innings in all of baseball history. Uh, Kansas City gets two runs. They win um, 2-1, to one. so now we're tied 3-3. There will be a game seven. Uh, Danny Cox versus Charlie. Lee Brandt. Lee Brandt. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why that's funny to me, but it's fucking comical. And then, okay, here we go, game seven. So, um, Kansas City scores two runs in the second, three runs in the third, <laughs> six runs in the fifth to finish 11-0. and 0. Uh, uh, Walking Andy Hart would have been ejected in that game, too, I think. Uh, for arguing. So, so, uh, and I've got that. It's coming. It's okay, coming. right on. I've got right on. <laughs> I like the way you gave me that little wink there. It's coming, bro. Um, so Tudor versus Saberhagen. Uh, fun fact about the, oh, by the way, you know, the uh, Royals, you know, of course, once again, since I fucked it up with the laugh track a minute ago, the war, the uh, the Royals, damn, I almost said Warriors, though, getting so excited. The Royals win their first World Series. Oh, and it, it locked me out of the sound pad again. Oh, applause. That's a, yeah, that's okay. We're still recording, though. That's all I give a shit about. Um, so, uh, here we go. We have World Series pitching statistics. So, for the uh, for the Kansas City Royals, uh, their pitching rotation was 4-3 in the World Series. Um... Because my it's it's splitting on the page here, so I have to keep going back. Um, total of sixty two innings pitched. The ERA for the Royals rotation in the World Series was a one eight nine. Forty two strikeouts, forty hits allowed, thirteen earned runs. Uh, and then of course, uh, Bud Black. Finishes with a 5.06 ERA. Um, Danny Jackson finishes with a 1.69. Charlie Liebrand, 2.76. Dan Quisenberry, 2.08. And Saberhagen. Would you like to know what Saberhagen's World Series ERA was? Let's hear it. 0. .50. Damn. <laughs> Damn! It's lights out, dude. Lights out. He was tough. I mean, 
Now you know why I always talk about Saberhagen. I, I like Saberhagen. Oh, me too, for sure. Uh, great right-hand pitcher. Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? Hmm. I don't think. Maybe not. Maybe not, yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. fuck it. This is my show, and this is your show. It's our show. We're going to hold up time. I'm going to look. Just curious, out of curiosity. If he's not, he should be. Mm-hmm. Brett Saberhagen. Let's go to the old Google machine here. Come on, Google machine. Um, he's in the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, he deserves to be. He's not a Hall of Famer yet. He deserves to be. You know, out of all sports Hall of Fames, Major League Baseball is the toughest one to get into. Yeah. I know. But, I mean, A-Rod's going to go in for steroids. Hey, we've talked – I've said this and mentioned this in another episode, I think our baseball episode. Get it through your – Get it, you heard it here first, folks. Hot take. All the talk about steroids and baseball and guys not getting in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. They don't. But I guarantee you A-Rod will end up yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Even being roid positive. Yeah. But that's for another time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, here's a – Here's some here's some stats here, some hitting statistics. Balboni, uh, two runs, three RBIs, three twenty average, four strikeouts, uh, eight uh, eight hits, zero home runs. I'm only picking certain one. George Brett, I know you were getting asked. Uh, George Brett had twenty seven at bats in the World Series, ten hits. Uh, five runs, one RBI, uh, three seventy. Did he not hit a home run one time in the World Series? Damn. Okay. Um, stadiums were not hitters' parks. No, they were pitchers' ballparks. Pitchers' ballparks. Yeah, for sure. Spacious in the outfield. I like (laughs) just because I'm I'm having fun. I feel like I'm directing. Or I'm I'm producing our show because that's what I'm doing. Explain to people what that means because I've said that before, and some people are like I don't know what that means. Explain what a hitter's ballpark and what a pitcher's ballpark means. Oh, well, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on where you're at. I mean, as well, far I mean, as latitude, longitude, where you're at on this earth. Well, right? I mean, just just basically <clears throat> give a definition of what each one well, is. Well, big power alleys, deep. Right. That's going to be a pitcher's ballpark. Right. And. It's, uh, now, St. Louis, I guess the ball traveled pretty good in, in, in the summertime area in the heat, but this time of year, both the I mean, the ball would be traveling crisp, cool air. If you're playing, travel. if you're playing in the Rockies, Colorado, thin air, thin air, the ball is going to travel high elevation, <clears throat> really, good, really well. Home yeah. run city. Yep, yep. But basically, a hitter's uh, ballpark. Wrigley Field, a hitter's ballpark with the wind blowing out to whatever avenue it is out there, Waveland or. That's right. Yeah. A hit uh a hitter's ballpark essentially is home run city. Yeah. Dog. I mean it favors the hitters. Yes. A pitcher's ballpark is it's almost like a ace up the sleeve for a pitcher. You can't uh, knock the ball a yard. Olympic Stadium, Montreal Expos uh pitcher's ballpark. That's true. Uh Lonnie Smith batted three thirty three. I'm just picking random ones. Uh pretty good. Here's the one I know another one because I know you're you're a big Motley guy. 
So Motley batted three sixty four in the World Series. Uh, how many home runs did Motley hit in the World Series? Uh, for sure, one. I think just one. Uh, drove in three RBIs though. So uh, I was just picking random players. Oh, he, he platooned most of that year with uh, Pat Sheridan, I think, in the outfield. Pat Sheridan. Yep. So as a total here, here is the St. Louis Cardinals World Series pitching. Uh, their pitching was three and four. Um, innings pitched was sixty one point one. Their team ERA was a three ninety six. Still fucking great, man. That's pretty good ERA for a team ERA. If that game seven, if the eleven runs yeah. is what made that jump up. They allowed sixty eight hits. Eleven of those in game seven. Uh. Their strikeouts was 56, and their earned runs was 27. Uh, so, Anwar had a 9-0 ER. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The fuck did I do here? Did I look at the wrong one? Said he had a 9-0 ERA. That can't be right. Uh Maybe no, yeah, that can't be. I mean, he he was responsible for several of them runs in the uh, seventh game. I there. guess I guess it was. Yeah, <clears throat> it was. I was like, "Fuck!" When did you I... start adding runs to innings pitched, well, that's how that ERA gets up there. I freaked out. I was like, "Oh my god!" I fucked up my statistics. No, I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, Which was uncharacteristic. I, I think. Tudor had a three zero ERA. Uh, Once again, I think he pitched eighteen innings. That was a high ERA, too, I think, because the game seven. Okay, we're back. So, for the second time in a row, we've had a little technical difficulties. It said our card was full and it stopped recording. So, we're not sure where we left off, but it was somewhere within the last 10 minutes. So, I'll fix it in post-production. I'll just uh, upload it, see where we're at. And after Kurt's gone, I can fill in the, the small gap there by myself. So, with my laptop and... The, it'll all be it, good. It'll all be good. Uh, but what I was talking about, probably one of the most memorable things of uh, one of the most memorable moments that you see when you relive this World Series was George Brett and Saberhagen, uh, the run over to hug Saberhagen after the clinching out. Uh, if you remember moments before that happened, Brett approached the mound and told Saberhagen to stick with it and stick on the mound once the final out came. Uh, the Royals, of course, become the first team ever to win the World Series after dropping games one and game two at home. The Cardinals scored only 13 Damn runs. Uh, All-time low for a seven-game series, scoring only once in the final 26 innings of the series. Uh, wow. Wow, yeah. Uh, That's lights out pitching, folks. <laughs> yeah. If they had held on for the win in game six, they would have still been outscored in the series 15-3. Yeah. to three, So, uh, and now I have a thing where I, I have it here. It says, give poor Don a break, guys. In October 2005, 20 years after the call, ESPN Classics aired... The top five reasons why you can't blame Don Dinkinger for the Cardinals <laughs> losing the 85 series. These were their reasons why. And this is what me and you were talking about 
or earlier. Um, so these are the five reasons. This was uh, well, like I said, you know, Dinkinger had a part in this, but I don't think he's the reason the Cardinals lost. Number five, Cardinal outfielder Vince Coleman was injured in the NLCS. Not realizing it was happening too late, the NL's top base dealer had been run over by what? A tarp. A tarp. Very good. Rolled out at Bush Stadium. Baseball's fastest man had been removed from active play by a (laughs) two-mile-an-hour fucking automatic tarp machine. Oh, my God. Had Coleman played, probably would have made the difference. I hate to say it's all one man, but... For what he was doing that season. Yes. That little added pressure on the pitching staff or on the defense at speed. Reason number four, according to ESPN's 2005 article 20 years later, why you can't blame Dinkinger for the Cardinals losing, Tommy Lasorda, manager of the Dodgers, kept using Tom Needham Fuhrer. Fuhrer, to relieve in the NLCS. Needham Fuhrer gave up a game-winning home run to the light-hitting Ozzie Smith in Game 5. Then Lasorda put in Needenfuhrer, who only had a fastball to face Jack Clark, the probably one of the top three fastball hitters at the time, in the ninth inning of Game 6, resulting in a home run that scored runs that won the pennant. Had Lasorda not made that decision, it might have been the Dodgers who played the Royals, and Cardinals fans wouldn't have cared if Dinkinger had hurt the Dodgers by making the same mistake. Fair argument. Fair argument, yeah. Game three, the Cardinals stopped hitting. Their 1.85 batting average was the lowest ever in a seven-game series, 79 points below their league-leading 264 during the regular season. Willie McGee pressed into the leadoff spot in Coleman's absence, batted only 259, nearly 100 points lower than his league-leading 353. Tom Herr did not drive in a run after leading the Cardinals with 110 RBIs during the regular season. Yeah, well, Vince Coleman's missing off the bases. There's some, yeah, RBI there. Game South. two, or reason two, excuse me. The Cardinals' defense. After the Dinkinger car, Balboni hit a pop-up behind first base. Daryl Porter called for it. Yeah. Uh, Should have been caught. Him and Clark got their signals mixed. Major he didn't catch it. Yeah, major leaguers make this catch day in and day out. Vance the runners. And then the number one reason... According to ESPN's 20-year-later article, the number one reason why you can't blame Dinger for the Cardinals losing the World Series, there was still a Game 7. The Cardinals could have put their Game 6 lost in the past and concentrated on the game to come. Instead, they were mentally unprepared to play and had a collective nervous breakdown with manager Whitey Herzog blaming Dinger in the post-game press conference. And pitcher Anwar losing his cool as Dinkinger called two straight walks on him in Game 7. The episode also featured a best of the rest, which focused on the need for instant replay. Had it existed at the time, Dinkinger's call would have very easily been reversed. Also, the ALCS was in its first year as a best of seven, having played a best of five since the inception of the playoffs in 69. Had it returned to its best-of-five format, the Blue Jays would have been facing the Cardinals in the World Series, having won three of the first four games in its series with Kansas City. But the Royals came back to win the next three games to win the ALCS and face the Cardinals in the World Series instead. I think they're leaving something out there on the top five. What? The pitching for the Royals. Well, yeah. I mean, 
Lights out. So, Kurt, where does this World Series rank all time? I'd say in the top ten. Easy. Top ten? I Personally, I think so, yeah. Okay. Last year, 2020 World Series, the COVID yeah. World Series. Immediately in the days following the 2020 COVID World Series, Sean Miller, a baseball writer and analyst for ESPN.com, released an article where he ranked all 116 World Series from 116 down to number one based on the following criteria. Game leverage index, which he borrowed from baseball reference, which measures how close the game is on each play and how likely the next play is to shift each team's chances of winning. A game that's close for nine innings and won by a walk-off in the 10th will rate much better than one in which a team jumps ahead early and runs away with it. Championship Leverage Index. It's similar to game leverage, except it it includes how close the series is itself. A seven-game series will rate much better than a four-game sweep. How memorable the series was. The 88 World Series wasn't particularly close, for example, but it produces instant recall for one inning alone. And number four, how historically significant it was and how satisfying that history is. So, the 1985 World Series... Where do you think this ends up? I'm not sure. Now, now after I tell you that, you're not sure? I'm not sure. The 1985 World Series ended up coming in ranked at 84. 84. Yes, you read that right. Series leverage ranked at 42nd. Game rev leverage ranked at 70th. And Sean Miller wrote in his article, and I am going to read this quote verbatim. Before game six, this one was going to go down as dull but quick according to what the New York Times wrote in 1985. Whether what happened next should move it higher or lower on this list is a matter of personal preference. The cards were up three games of two in the sixth game and up 1-0 in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, MLB Commissioner Peter Uberoth. Uberoth cut through the Royals' dugout around this time with the World Series trophy in hand. This definitely jacked us up and pissed us off. The Royals' Orta led off the inning and grounded to first base. Todd Worrell covering the bag, the Dinkinger call. So they go all through this, and uh, Dinkinger's missed call would be the most famous missed call in baseball history for about 25 years until Jim Joyce missed a similar call on what had been the final out of Armando Galarraga's perfect game. So... um. They're ranking it 84. I'm ranking it top 50, top 25. Uh, I think they underestimate just how important that moment was. Obviously, I wasn't alive at the time, but how you can't exclude that moment from uh, yeah. the inning. So, uh, And my mind is still top 10. <laughs> and your mind is still top 10. Okay, so got a few more things here before we shut it down and – I got a feeling I'm going to have to do some serious editing. Good thing I'm always looking at that thing. Yeah, it's shut yeah, off. For sure. Uh, you know what's funny? Nothing is flashing now. Look, I have control of the entire sound pad. That was loud. So, maybe we'll start using this card. I'll just have to pull our intro and everything off the other card.
Anyways, uh, gonna plug our final official unofficial sponsor so far, which I'm still working hard to get more. Uh, this is the people that have offered to make us a, a logo at a really cheap price, maybe even possibly down the road, maybe free. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Main Street Designs LOC in Jasper, Indiana. Uh, look them up on Facebook. Um, they're a small business specializing in laser engraving and direct garment printing. They do really high quality stuff. They also do vinyl decals and any other personalized items for yourself or your business. Message them on Facebook or give them a call at 812-661-7765 or 812-661-7488. These guys are great people. Uh, I converse with them back and forth on Messenger all the time. We're doing a lot. They're doing a lot of promoting for us, sharing our stuff on social media. We're doing the same for them. So give these guys a call. They will do up practically anything you need within reason, and they will do it at a great price. Now, uh, I want to play a really quick game of word association. <laughs> okay. And let me take a drink here. Yeah, ain't a bad idea. Yeah. Did you notice how that stopped recording? And I'm not freaking the fuck out like I was last time. Yeah, that's a good thing. Because I'm pretty sure what we're missing is maybe only five to ten minutes of content. And I still, like I said, I still have not listened to the episode. You need to listen to it. But you said you listened to it. it. And you can hear me talking where I split in between both files. And I'm like, hey, guys, this is me, quote, unquote, in the studio. Here's the first copy here's the second copy so i know i can go back and cover but i'm not freaking out i just that episode i just want to put it behind me like i i think that was the worst episode we've done the content was good from what i've heard uh but at any rate um i think i'm gonna have to cover five to ten minutes and i don't i mean i don't i always need you dog but i don't need you for that i can fix that myself if i want to run down more stats or right uh, just give an overview of what we missed and plug the other one back in. Anyways, uh, word association, which you and I always have fun with these. <laughs> I'm not going to limit you to one word. Okay. So I'm going to limit you to a few words. Okay. And I don't want you to think this. For once, I mean, not that you think a whole lot anyways. You're kind of like me. But <laughs> I just want it to flow, brother. Okay. I want it to flow. Okay, I follow you. The first thing that comes to the top of your dome. Oh, boy. Be ready to edit something here. <laughs> Careful, we don't want to hit me that ashtray. We don't want to lose. We don't want to lose sponsors. Uh, yeah, for sure. So we're gonna do a little 1985 World Series Word Association. So, and you don't like I said, you don't have to do one word. First thing that comes to mind, John Tudor. Incredible pitching. Um, do you think if their bats would have went? If they had the bats going on the back of his pitching, they could have won the World Series. They could have won the World Series, yes. I think if Vince Coleman would have got run over by a tarpaulin that day. Damn it. And that was was number two. Vince Coleman. Tarp. Tarp. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fastest guy. The fastest guy in baseball. Run over by a two mile an hour tarp. (laughs) It's stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Whitey Herzog. Don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. 
There we go. <laughs> um, Brett Saberhagen. Lights out. I love Brett Saberhagen. Me too, for sure. So, okay, got another one for you. Ozzy Smith. The Wizard. Uh, I kind of felt bad for Ozzy. I always liked Ozzy. I still do. Yeah. I mean, I kind of felt bad for him in a way in that series, but I mean. This this next one's a two-parter. First part, Don Dinkinger. Bad call. Okay. Don Dinkinger's bad call. Uh, not good for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see if you were going to say cost him a championship. I was really trying well, to goad you into that. Yeah. I, but I don't, you can't say I it. can't say it, no. Okay. Uh, I got a couple more for you. Balboni. No home runs. In the World Series, anyway. Okay. Um, he got paid to hit home runs. Jack Clark. Boo. <laughs> he put the Dodgers out. All right. And the last one. And this one, I'll give you a few more words on it. So, in general, the 1985 World Series. Great series. My my perspective. I had all the ups and downs. Okay. A few little, uh, I don't know how I want to say it, uh, the Dinkinger call, whatever. The Dinkinger know. call. Yeah. Yeah. Great series. Hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. Super great series. Super great series. Okay. Well, um, so that takes care of that. And what that's going to bring me and you to now is uh, after a week break here. Make... <laughs> Look at this. Everything's working now. But we're going to switch to this card. <laughs> so that leads us to uh, what we're going to talk about next week. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, I always have ideas. We still have a list. Do you have anything in particular on your mind, or you just want me to pick something? Pick something. So I'm going to pick something this time. You know, one of these, I'm not going to do it next week, but one of these days we're going to have to go back to the uh, what-if special, because that's supposed to be our bread and butter. Right. Um... You know what I think I want to do? I think I want to do a tribute episode. Okay. Kind of. I think I kind of want to do like a breakdown of history and a tribute to an athlete who is no longer with us. Okay. So what do we? What do you? What say you, Kurt? What if we do a kind of a bio, biographical tribute episode and we uh, we honor the Mamba next week? Yeah. 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 Shout out Kobe yeah, Bryant. Shout out Kobe Bryant. I'll be down for that. Let's uh, let's do that. I think I don't know why that that's not even on the list. I mean, here's the infamous list that you always tell everybody <laughs> I have. That, I mean, this was started on my desk at work, not during production times, never on company time. This was on my break time. But uh, that's that's the list I carry every day, ain't it? It's a good list. And that's not even on there. So let's let's do a, a biography I, in honor of yeah. Kobe Bryant. Yeah, that'd be that'd be nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. This what if, or not a what if special, but just uh, honoring Kobe. Kobe Bryant. Uh, he was right out of high school. Right out of high, high school. school. I think he played Pepperdine, maybe. Yeah. I think it might have been. 
Duke. Or was Pepperdine a high school or university? I think they it was were a high school. Uni- well, was there a university and a high school? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, me, you've heard me and Adam talk before about, you know, none of us are ever going to see the amount of money or the fame that these people get. Right. So people pass away every day, but there's certain celebrities and famous people and athletes you get attached to and certain deaths hurt you. And man, to wake up that Sunday morning to find out that Kobe had passed away I mean, last year. It's one of those moments. It's like, did that really happen? I mean, I remember what I was doing at oh, the yeah. moment I heard. I I, mean, it was it was about 9.30 in the morning when I heard. I just woke up on a Sunday morning. My uh, ex-girlfriend had just uh, left to go back to her place. I was supposed to go down there and meet her that night. And... uh I just woke up and it's like my phone was blowing up. Kobe Bryant passes away, helicopter crap. I'm like, yeah. this can't be true. Yeah. And then yeah. you hop on and you start breaking it down. You're like, oh my god, we just lost Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And then it's oh my god, we we lost Kobe Bryant. We lost his daughter. We lost a surreal the, moment. We lost another family and the children and and, and the pilot and uh, Doyle and I was headed to Monty's Pizza to get a pizza when we heard. Shout out Monty's Pizza, free plug. Yep. Damn, I could go for a Monty's Pizza right now. I could, too. I bet you guys get a Monty's Pizza this weekend, don't you? Uh, Maybe I might. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. I could always eat. Oh, me too. (laughs) For sure. But for absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, bro. Same to you, brother. Uh, Man, I tell you what, though. I think that's going to be a tremendous episode. I don't even know where I'm going to start. I guess I'm just going to start with his being being born and just yeah, go down yeah, from there yeah. uh it'd be a good tribute a sure. class act oh yeah i mean i know they had the rape scandal that came out years ago the the denver colorado incident and it is what it is on that i think he got acquitted on that did he not yeah. take that off the table the guy never had a lot of character issues yeah. uh and when i think of of my era, you know, and I'm a few years younger than right. you. When I think of my era, you think of Jordan, and then you immediately think of Kobe right after Jordan. Uh, Good for basketball. You know what I honestly thought to happen with, with Kobe? I figured one day he'd end up coaching in the NBA. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I could see that. That was like the logical future. step yeah. for him. Yeah. Uh, not so much a booth or anything. He he, no. needed, he needed to be on the floor. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good IQ. Basketball IQ. High basketball IQ. IQ yes. So fuck yeah, dude. Let's do Let's that do it. next Let's week. Do it. Yeah. A, a biography and a tribute to the uh, Black Mamba. Kobe the late Bryant. Kobe Bryant. The late. Co- Rest in peace. Yep. Uh, well, uh, other than our memory card shitting out on us, and I'm I'm assuming ballpark, and I think it's pretty close with how often we check their quarter we're missing about five to ten minutes of audio i can fill that in tonight in post-production but uh i think this was a great bounce back episode from what i believe was our worst episode the week before i still haven't listened to it i know you, you need to listen me to it i mean i know i uh i got on the laptop and before the episode recorded i think I mean, or, or in the middle i content for I, sure i you know told them about what happened and i think at the end of the episode um, damn technology. <laughs> what that? <laughs> when we create our show opening that we start playing every time, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I wish I could rip it from the original, 
birth of the podcast episode where you're like, I'm an analog man. <laughs> but I think I might just have you say that. We'll record our own intro. Uh, I'm an uh, analog, analog man. man. <laughs> but this was a great episode. Yeah, absolutely. I had, I had a lot of fun, brother. Yeah, I'm glad too. you're out here. Yeah, for sure, uh, brother. Hell, hell yeah, son. Uh, so, guys, uh, check. make sure to... Uh, like us on Facebook, spread the word. We're slowly gaining ground. Steel uh, toes and scoreboards. Steel toes and scoreboard. Hey, look, I got brand new steel toes on today, and yet you're wearing tennis shoes. I never see you in tennis shoes. Uh, I'm going with this comfort today. But uh, wearing your uh, official company work shirt there, uh, shout out to our company. We're not going to shout out yet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why our pitcher's in the machine room, and people have had to see it by now. So, uh Never on company time. That was taken right. out. Was taken off the clock. There That's we go. Right. Uh, yeah, I had fun. Yeah, oh yeah, for uh, sure. Good episode. We're uh, we're increasing listeners every week, which is impressive. They're hearing two idiots ramble. <laughs> that was the perfect. It was the perfect thing. Uh, it's podcast idiots talking sports. <laughs> it's pretty good. And then we had the. Uh, Warm up sports, be a wuss. Yeah, and then good. honestly, I think you know our our original go to was tales from the nosebleed section, but uh, I think steel toes and scoreboards worked out a little better. Yeah, it works out pretty good. All right, guys, so we're gonna wrap it up. It's a kind of muggy late Friday afternoon here. I'm getting ready to post product for a couple hours, and then I'm gonna go get my tiny humans for a weekend. So. Uh, yeah, have a good weekend, buddy. Hey, I hope you do too. I'm gonna get in the garden. Go home, take care of old Luck Dog. Yeah, and uh, got pull some weeds out of the garden. I think next week I might come to you, maybe just so I can go see old Luck. Yeah, unless works. it's luck would like it. Unless it's 120 degrees outside, and if it right. is, then maybe we can. Right. I know you like the basement. I do like the basement. This basement's up over over here. Parts underground. It's fucking cooler it's, it's over here. Nice down here. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Be nice when we get our studio finished. Yeah. We got to get started on that, brother. Tell, hey, let's tell everybody about our studio real fast. I know we keep progressing. So down here in my basement, <clears throat> I have a room when we, when me and my ex-wife bought this house that the original homeowners had used as storage. And I turned it into my man cave. I'd come down here and tinker around. I had a putting mat in there I'd put. Then with my golf business, uh, Watery Grave Golf on Facebook, you know, I used to find old golf balls and clean them up and resell. And eventually I was going to get into to club repair and club making, which I'd still like to do one day on the back side of that room is like a cellar. That's completely underground. It's got a breaker box in there. You look up, you can see the air ducts and, and everything. And it's just this, it's a good size space, completely underground. And I call it a cellar. I told Kurt, I said, I want to soundproof that a little bit, turn that into a studio. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I, w- I said, I want to take a bunch of one by lumber, put it on the walls, put it on the ceiling, put it on the floor, even a nice, good wooden acoustic room. For those of you that are guitar players, think of the acoustic guitar room at Guitar Center, how it's all wooden in there, good acoustics. That's essentially what I want to do. So then it became, where do we get this lumber? And I thought, well, get it off skids and then i remember that somebody at our place of work shout out me is completely in charge of the skid trailer i fill it up uh cut down skids i fill it up and we send it down to uh, brewer farms down there in chandler indiana and they cut it up for pellets and mulch and uh, i'm like 
I could just rip skids out of this trailer and, you know, think of it this way. I'm saving them a little bit of money here because they don't have to come and get a trailer so often. So oh, yeah. we've slowly started ripping some, some, some of the skids that are kind of mangled and I can't really cut them down. I just rip the uh, boards off and gonna need a lot. Gonna need a lot of skids. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, anyway. put a few more lights in there. I mean, I'm gonna have to do some electric work or, well, I'm not, I'm gonna get my buddy to do it. He's like, I mean, <laughs> I don't I'm, do it. Like <laughs> do it. <laughs> no. But, uh, I think once we get it finished, it'd be nice. I'd like to have a little flat screen TV on the wall where I could just project the laptop up there and then we could, fuck, you could see everything. Right. Then. Right. That'd be pretty cool. For so, sure. Uh, high hopes. High hopes. All right, guys. So it's it's seriously time to sign off here. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun. This was our first, our second baseball episode, our first episode covering a World Series, the 1985 World, World Series, I seventy Show Me Showdown. Uh, next week, uh, gonna do a basketball episode again, which you haven't really done one of those since the first episode. First episode. Uh, we're going to honor and pay tribute to the late, great Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant. So uh hope you guys stay pumped about that. Uh, Kurt, got anything else? I believe I'm. All right. I believe I'm good. Believe so for my uh, co-host, my co-anchor, my work bestie, and my damn good real life, one of my besties, Kurt Kelly, I'm Jared Atkins. And since we are using a different sound card, we do not have our outro to play. So... You guys can just listen to this for a couple minutes, and we will see you guys next week. Okay, guys, Jared here. Hey, uh, like I said, uh, for the second time in a row here in the last couple weeks, we had technical difficulties. Uh, basically just our SD card got full and it cut off and I thought we lost a good five or 10 minutes of audio. It, it probably wasn't even that just giving you guys a, a heads up what we missed. We were running down the, uh, pitching for the Cardinals who lost the world series. Then we, we went into their, their batting statistics for the world series. And that's nothing really to write home about. They only scored 13 runs and nobody was really slugging it out. Very well. So all I had next was a bunch of fun facts, and I'm going to read a few of them to you here. Uh, and this is what you missed. And then, you know, when you heard the audio kick on, it was where we'd pick back up at. But basically, uh, John Tudor, Anwar, and Saberhagen were all 20-game winners during the regular season, which was impressive. Two for the Cardinals, one for the Royals. Uh, and then I went into some more fun facts. Uh, the first All-Missouri World Series was not in 1985. It actually took place in 1944 between the St. Louis Browns and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, and you heard me mention in, earlier in the episode, this was the first World Series where every game was played at night instead of some games happening during the daytime itself. Uh, the Cardinals... Uh, batting average was 1.85. That was the lowest batting average in World Series history up until the 2001 Yankees hit 183 in the 01 World Series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Herzog was ejected in Game 7 by home plate umpire Don Dinkinger, who was obviously the result of the call in Game 6. So uh, there's that. They asked Herzog why would he get himself ejected 
And all Herzog could say was, I've seen enough. You know, he was pissed off about the game before. Uh, and then, of course, the day before Game 7 was when Saberhagen and his wife gave birth to their firstborn child, a boy. Uh, and kind of a hilarious moment. Uh, the ABC cameras had caught a look at Saberhagen during uh, the eighth inning, maybe the seventh inning. And uh, he, he looked over national TV, national networks, and looked at his wife and said, is the baby still there? You know, so. Uh, and another fun fact, John Tudor was so enraged after what happened uh, in Game 7 that he actually punched a fan, an electric fan, not a fan fan, an electric fan in the dugout, and he ended up breaking his hand or messing it up, cutting it up, and ultimately they, they fined him for the damage done in the clubhouse, which was kind of hilarious. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a couple of the other things here, just fun facts. Uh, this was the first World Series to feature Tim Carver, Al Michaels, and Palmer. Howard Cosell was originally supposed to be broadcast this, which if you guys know Howard Cosell, uh, he's infamous with sports. Uh, he had a book come out shortly before the World Series called I Never Played the Game. And I, I remember in my research last week, in this week, that there there was something about that. It was some bad press, and all of sports were pretty upset with him. So he got pulled out of the booth. They wanted him to have nothing to do with this World Series. Uh, and then the last thing I had here that you guys missed, and like I said, it, I don't even think it was ten minutes. It might have been five. Uh, Dana Org got his nose broke uh, after his game winning hit. In uh, game six, uh, he was mobbed by his teammates and 230-pound-plus pitcher Mike Jones busted him right in the nose. He ended up breaking his nose in this incident. So uh, so that's all you guys missed, that brief little five or ten minutes of audio there. Uh, I'm sorry again. Uh, obviously, I'm not as upset as I was with the episode two weeks ago, the 10 greatest moments in sport history. Because I feel this episode was far better. So uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Kurt did. Uh, when Kurt left here a little bit ago after we shut it down, it's about 4 o'clock now. Kurt left about 30 minutes ago, uh, maybe 45. We, we just kicked it in, in my driveway, smoked a cigarette together, just shot the shit, and Kurt was on cloud nine. Uh, he originally had mixed reviews about doing a podcast. And eventually he's getting to the point where he's excited about it. And that's all he wants to talk about at work. So we're having fun there. And uh, we appreciate the feedback we get. I wish I would get more feedback from some of you guys, but it is what it is. The feedback we do get has all been good. And I appreciate that. And uh, please like and share the ever loving hell out of our Facebook page, Steel Toes of Scoreboards, or have them send them to our Twitter account. I don't remember what the Twitter handle is. I think it's STS Podcast 2021 or something like that. But, uh, Get with us. Yeah, we're available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Of course, you can find us on Podbean. Uh, we're available wherever. Uh, we're, I, damn, this damn Apple Podcasts. I've submitted, 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 researched. Still having issues on that. It is what it is, whatever. But uh, we appreciate the support, guys. And uh, thank you so much. And I can't wait. Next week's episode wasn't even on the episode list. That's how important this is. But we're going to honor the life and career of the late, great black mama, Kobe Bryant. So 
That being said, guys, I'm going to shut it down. I'm not even recording this with my recorder or my uh, mic. This is just coming straight off the laptop in my quote-unquote Audacity studio here. So uh, thanks a lot, guys, and we will catch you later. Later.